Welcome to the Real Marathon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best in film each and every week. I'm your host, Rob Carraher, and this week's episode is just going to be a quick little wrap-up of um, the the last week's Oscar show, and we're going to do a quick little preview of the films that I think could potentially be up for Best Picture for the 2022 Oscars. Um, so that's kind of how today is going to go. Um, like I said, it's a little bit of a quick show. We're not going to uh, go super in-depth into a lot of stuff. Um, I just wanted a chance to uh, reflect a little bit on last weekend's show and um, kind of my thoughts on all of that. Well, one of the things that uh, obviously needs to be talked about is how the show ended. Um, the Oscars this year were done a little bit different. Uh, they decided to move Best Picture to the third to last slot of the night. And with that, it um, made for a <laughs> an interesting end to everything. Um, it seemed like they were trying to set things up for Chadwick Boseman to win Best Actor in the very last award of the night and have this big emotional ending that makes people um, feel good about this celebration of this incredible actor um, who, who put on an incredible performance. And, uh, well, that just didn't happen that way. Um, the Academy chose Anthony Hopkins as best actor, and he wasn't even there to receive that award. So that made things uh, a little bit awkward, and the show just kind of abruptly ended. And um, yeah, that was something I was afraid of. I was afraid of that even before I knew that they were going to shift everything around like that. Um, everything had been trending toward Anthony Hopkins winning Best Actor, and uh, I I wasn't ready to make that that prediction um, just based upon all the information that we did have. But uh, you know, it, it ended up playing out that way, and um, I feel really really bad for Chadwick Boseman's family, um, and there's there's a little bit of this whole. Um, where the Academy is never going to be able to acknowledge him again for a current year performance. Maybe they end up giving him some sort of um, award for his work that he has done up to this point, but uh, that was their last opportunity, and they missed it. Um, and i I got to say, Anthony Hopkins' performance in The Father was probably the best performance of the year. So it was much deserved. It's just the way that it played out. Um, for so many months, Chadwick Boseman was that front runner, and uh, it felt like it was going to be kind of a coronation. And then things got a little fuzzy when the Baftas decided not to give it to him. Um, and yeah, so we, we ran into this problem. Um, that, that's the problem with these long award seasons. I think if it was a normal year, and the father had been released along with a lot of these other films, then maybe we wouldn't have 
um, seeing that built up anticipation and uh, that Anthony Hopkins would have won along the way and then it wouldn't have been quite as devastating but that's how that played out and uh, there's there's not much else you can say about that um, but the sad part about this in addition to how it, it made me feel toward Bozeman's family is how it made me feel about those celebrating Nomadland and how it, it was almost a stolen celebration for them because they were rushing everything at the end and uh, that wasn't how the night ended. Uh, the fact that they would move Best Picture up um, is just disappointing because that is kind of the best opportunity for a large group of people to have a celebration and when you put it earlier in the show and then switch gears so quickly it, it steals that moment from them and so that was also a mistake just beyond them trying to go for something that they had no control over um so those are some big big mistakes and i think that the Academy has probably learned their lesson and they will never uh, mess with that sort of um, the playing out the way that the awards are given um, ever again. Just probably isn't going to happen. And um, that's a good thing. Uh, I didn't mind that they messed around with some of the other categories. Uh, opening with the screenwriting categories was kind of cool. Um, even having director earlier in the night wasn't too bad I just think that you can't have you can't have best picture anywhere besides that last slot and I know people have said that that was the way it was in the past but this is different because this this is a spectacle for the entire country the entire world in some cases to be able to watch and so they're they're looking for that um, for those big moments, and when you steal that from a film like Nomadland, uh, then it just fizzles out, and that's where we, we ended up with the situation that we ended up with. Um, I do have to say, overall, I really enjoyed this show um, up until that last probably 30 minutes, um, when not only did they feel like they had to rush, but it just was not the way it should have played out. Um, the, the way that it was designed felt more intimate. It felt like it was more genuine in trying to honor, um, a lot of these people. Uh, they should have included clips of these films, um, especially the performances, uh, when costumes were given out, showing the costumes, um, and and kind of putting that in with whatever is being said over the top. Uh, because that's that's a way to really showcase these performances and this work. Um, and so if they would have done that, I think that it wouldn't have added any much more time. Uh, they just would have played it over the top of anything that was being said. And uh, I think it would have been a little more effective and made it more enjoyable. But... A couple things that I did think were really good, um, and then we're kind of undercut. Uh, the Academy is clearly trying to be more inclusive, 
and um, not necessarily just plain to the mainstream. Uh, one area that I thought was um, pretty cool was having Bong Joon-ho give best director and having him obviously Korean. He, he speaks Korean and having him give all of that in Korean um, with some subtitles or a translator um, was pretty cool. Uh, and then the way that he had uh, basically asked a question to the nominees and then was able to read their answers. Um, it was kind of cool just to have that all in Korean and a celebration of uh, the diverse languages that um, are a part of the cinema world. Uh, one of the things that is cool about the film industry is that um, it doesn't discriminate discriminate against who you are. Uh, film is the same, and it, uh, it it can be made in any language by any individual, and um, th that should be celebrated. And so uh, as we continue to, I've had this conversation many times on this show, as we continue to try to evolve and um, recognize the best films regardless of what individuals are in them, regardless of what language they are in. Um, having an award show that also recognizes this by putting people like uh, Bong Joon-ho on, on this platform and allowing him to do it in the way that he wants to be able to do it is pretty cool. Um, a lot of the presenters were diverse. Um, you got a good representation there. Um, they had Marley Matlin, who she uh, she presented a couple awards um, using sign language and had an interpreter there. That was really cool, especially in a year where they were recognizing a film um, that that was very much based upon recognizing the deaf community. Um, There's a short that had something to do with that. Um, next year, Coda, which Marley Matlin's in. Um, could be a player and so like getting to recognize some of this is is pretty pretty cool um, overall it was an enjoyable show for me and maybe I was in the minority because it didn't have the big spectacle that a lot of the previous shows have had but uh, I enjoyed it um, if they hadn't messed up the order at the end and if they had shown more clips to really um, put this work on display, uh, I think it would have been a close to perfect show. On top of the fact that in most cases, uh, a win the winners were all worthy winners. That isn't always the case. Um, and even though I didn't necessarily agree with every category, and I would have picked different winners in a lot of these categories, um, the winners that did win they they were they were worthy of it um and i think that they they were well done and so i have no um no concerns about who the academy chose um the only area that uh felt a little bit sad and it's not to take anything away from um anthony hopkins or francis mcdormand but 
to have this celebration of diversity throughout the show and then to turn around and finish the show by giving Best Actress and Best Actor to two white veterans who have won before um, when the favorites in both of these categories were two excellent black performers. Um, that is a little bit problematic, especially when that's what you decide to end the show with. Um, and I know they don't have a lot of control over that, but uh, I think it shines a light on how we still need to be more representative um, in in the academy, and uh, we need an opportunity to reward some actors of color that deserve to win, um, that have not been able to win because there is that hurdle um, that is somewhat systemic racism within the institution of the academy. And so that's going to be something I'm continuing to uh, look for is how the Oscars rectify that. And I know they're putting some things in place to try to make um, the awards more inclusive. And so I hope that that ends up happening. Um, and once again, I, I thought Frances McDormand was great. Um, and I, I thought Viola Davis was great. Uh, so I don't think that you could have gone wrong either way in terms of who they chose. It's just, it doesn't look good. Um, and it's because of the way that it was delivered. I think if both of those were moved up a little bit and you finished with best picture where you were able to, um, where you're able to honor a, a film that has a, uh, non white male as the director, um, that with Chloe Zhao, um, winning, I think that that would have been a more appropriate, uh, way to end the, end the show. And I think that also, also, uh, the fact that you stole that moment from a female director who happens to not be a white person, um, from getting that final, uh, experience, that's also not not too good. So anyway, th that's my thoughts on the, uh, Oscars. Um, and it, it had great potential to be a fantastic show that was really special and they just messed it up there at the end, which, you know, they, they took a chance, they took a risk and they fell flat on their face. Um, all right. So I'm just going to kind of wrap the show up here by, uh, first of all, I want to talk about that I made some predictions back on February 28th of 2020 when it seemed as though the Oscars were going to be a year from that point. And um, my, my predictions, I had, these were the 10 films that I predicted would be nominated for Best Picture. West Side Story. Dune, Hillbilly Elegy, The French Dispatch, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Tenant, The Trial of the Chicago Seven, and Ammonite. Well, 
um, because of the pandemic, West Side Story, Dune, and the French Dispatch all got pushed to the following year. Um, I missed big time on Hillbilly Elegy because that film didn't end up being a, a huge uh, Oscar player. It did end up getting nominated for two, so at least I was somewhat in that range, but it wasn't anywhere close to being considered for Best Picture. Um, it just it, it wasn't that great of a film. Um, I probably actually liked it better than the average critic, um, but it still wasn't that good. Um, had a great performance from Glenn Close, and the makeup that they used for her was fantastic. Um, so I'm glad that those two things did get noticed by the Academy, but yeah, otherwise I missed big time on that. I did get Mank, I got Minari, I got Nomadland, and I got The Trial of the Chicago 7. All four of those did end up getting nominated for Best Picture. And considering how funky of a year it was, um, and that this was way over a year in advance, uh, that's not too bad. I will take four out of the ten um, as those that ended up actually getting nominated. Tenant got nominated for um, for a couple things, and uh, it just didn't didn't uh, did not end up being as good of a movie as. Uh, I had maybe anticipated. And then Ammonite, that kind of just fell off. I never ended up seeing Ammonite, so um, I will have to watch that. But uh, it felt at the time like it was going to potentially be a player. And I did have it in the 10th spot because I wasn't as confident about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's the way that uh, it ended up playing out. So um, here is my top 10 films that I am predicting for next year. Uh, we're going to have some that returned because they got pushed back. And so I still have West Side Story as number one. Um, I'm pretty confident that that is going to get nominated for Best Picture. Um, and uh, it's just because of the people involved. Uh, Steven Spielberg almost always gets nominated. Uh, and I, I just think it's going to get there. Um, number two, I have The Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, this is... A Joel Cohen film stars Denzel Washington and uh, Francis McDormand, so I think that's going to be there. I also have Soggy Bottom, The French Dispatch, so there's The French Dispatch again, uh, House of Gucci, Dune, Cry Macho, Coda, Luca, and Next Goal Wins. Um, so this year is a little bit more challenging because there's a whole bunch of films to choose from. Basically, every big-name director is going to have something that comes out this year um, because a bunch of stuff got pushed back. Uh, so I would be surprised if I got any more than four of these correct just simply because there's a lot more to choose from, and we haven't seen most of these. The only one that we have seen up to this point is uh, Coda. And I feel like uh, it has a really good shot at getting in. Um, it just has the right feel. Um, it's a well-made movie. Uh, it's not going to probably win because um, it doesn't have uh, what it, I don't think it has quite what it takes to win. But 
since they are expanding the field to 10 nominees this year, where there's a definite 10 nominees and not just a possible 10 nominees, I think it has a much better shot at getting in. Um, I kind of have the same feeling about uh, Luca, which is a Pixar film, which will be coming out in June. Um, I think when there are more nominees, the chances of an animated film getting in are much greater, and so I am going to include that in my best picture uh, predictions. Um, so those are going to be my predictions for now, um, and as the year goes on, I will probably adjust them as we find out a little bit more about uh, those films. Um, and so that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, next week, we will return with uh, a new review as we pivot into talking about films that uh, are potential award players for next season and some of the big films that uh, we should all be seeing. Um, so we're going to be doing a review of The Mitchells vs. The Machines. And this is a Netflix film. Uh, it came out on this past Friday. And so uh, you you can already watch that, um, but we're going to do a review of that on uh, Mother's Day, and I will be bringing in my new co-host, my brother, Danny Carraher, and we are going to talk about that film, uh, as well as we're going to celebrate Mother's Day by doing a uh, countdown um, of who we think are the best mothers in cinema history and the worst mothers in cinema history. Um, and so we're going to do a little bit of a celebration of Mother's Day on that day as well. Um, so I am looking forward to allowing our show to continue to evolve. And so I can't wait for you to join us next week as we grow our Real Marathon podcast family and start looking ahead to next year's award season. Thank you and have a great week.